Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Man, it is so good to be here. I tell you what, it is. I love uh, our online community. They're the best ever. Our hosts are amazing for sure. But there's something about being here, finally. I mean, for the love, right? We haven't been here together, you know. I'm so I'm like I've already told I've already told our people like uh, security and some of the volunteers that we're gonna lock the doors. We're gonna be here forever. I'm, I'm not letting go of you guys because I just like being around you, and I'm glad that we are getting back into it. But man, it's so exciting, so exciting. If you are a guest here, I, I feel like I gotta introduce myself. I'm Naeem Fossil, the pastor of Mosaic Church. You're right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good to meet you, good to meet you, yeah. You guys look great, you guys look great. Uh, but we are starting a brand new series as well, so I'm pumped about that. Uh, and it's connected to our anniversary. So we're turning 16, a lot of fun things happening. We're just praying and knocking on all kinds of wood, metal, glass, whatever, throwing salt, whatever, that COVID doesn't, resurface again, uh, and uh, the snow. I mean, we love the snow. We do love the snow in Charlotte. Yeah, we do. But, right, we do. We're just, like, exci- excited till it's annoying. You know what I'm saying? It is, it is. But we're just hoping and praying that we are continue to meet together in person. Again, not to take away from online, but, man, it's good to be in the house. Also excited about this series called Becoming Church. Yes, Becoming church. Now, now here's what's interesting. I think when I say that, for some of you, you're like, ah, I'm already in church. Like, I'm, I'm here. And I don't know if I was supposed to become church. Uh, others of you might go, I, I, you know what? I kind of get that. I was raised in the church. Yeah, and so I get the whole bride of Christ thing. I'm actually down with that too, bro. Like, I got that. Others of you might just go, uh, I, why? Like, I don't even want to become a Christian. Like, why do I want to become the church? Like, I don't even want to do that. Well, the good thing is that this conversation will lend itself to a deeper conversation for us, especially at the beginning of this year. Um, and that is, like, who are we becoming, truly? Like, uh, do you know where, you, you know, you're kind of going in life, the kind of person you are truly becoming, regardless of how young you are, old you are, what kind of age or stage in life? Do you like what you're becoming? See, the problem, though, with the whole idea of like, oh, yeah, I want to become this person, is that it seems like when we're younger, we're like, I want to become this person, but, and, and you see it, and you, you know, and those of us who are now adults or older, we were kids, we were those, I want to become a whatever, or I want to become this kind of person. We just don't know how we actually got there. We, all we know is we're here. We're here, like it or not. You know, this is who we've become, like, and I'm hoping to become some other kind of people. The, 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 what's hard about this too is that you actually see the whole idea of uh, noticing someone like someone has become someone um, with other people, not necessarily yourself. Like during this pandemic, right? Now, if you're super aware of yourself, okay, 
You have, you know, you have intelligence in terms of emotional intelligence. You kind of go, okay, I know who I've become. Others of you just looked at other people during this pandemic and you're like, you become a different person, right? How many of you have even just seen people on social media? They were like, they were this kind of people. And now they're like, what, what happened? Right? They're just very, very different. So who are we becoming? And as a church, who are we becoming? And as a follower of Jesus, or even a person who's looking into spirituality, looking into what does it mean to follow Jesus, who are we kind of becoming? And we start, though, with an easier question, is that do you like who you are right now, or do you like the kind of life you're living right now and the things you're doing? Or, or is there, be honest, or is there like kind of like, I like it sort of, but I would really like my life to be a little bit grander. Anybody, anybody, any takers, anybody like, come on, I, I really would like a little bit more. Come, a little, I, I like a little bit, a bit, little bit, little bit. Some of you have already plans out there. You're thinking of like, I, I think I'm going to achieve this or that. And you're thinking, like, my life is going to be good. It's going to be good. But others of us, I think the idea is, hey, I, I, I honestly, I mean, it would be really great if my life was a little bit bigger. Like I had cooler things going on. Anybody like, I wish I had more, a little bit cooler things going on. Be really honest. Come on. Make some noise. You're like, come on. Right? Yeah, I know. Some of you, with this day and age, with social media, you're like, no, my life is cool. Have you seen my filters? It's amazing. <laughs> my life is cool. Okay? And it's so tough. It's so tough because before with friends, before with friends and people, you just kind of assumed and you had the luxury of assuming that people's lives were not that great. Like, you know what I'm saying? You could look people, look at people you compete with maybe and you go, you know what, I don't know. I don't know what they're up to. Why? Because you did not know what they were doing. Now you, know, you can find out what everybody's doing every second of the day. And the, you, you know what their day has been like, right? Because of social media. And so now you had the luxury of just assuming their life was not that great. But now you're looking at the post and you're like, their life is great. And they just got new furniture. What is that? Like, what happened here? And so what, what happens? Well, the tension is that we want to live bigger lives. So what does it have to do with uh, Jesus? What does it have to do with being a Christian? Or, or more likely, what, what does it mean to become the church? I think it's, it, 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 it causes us to go, okay, okay, hold up. Okay, uh, what is this tension that we have to live this big life? Because the truth is, so many of us are hustling the way we're hustling because we've, we've kind of thought, you know what, I, I, I do need to live a bigger life. Like we've been told, you will do great things, right? When you inspire people, you go, you're going to live an amazing life. Your life is going to be great. I mean, people go, you know what, you need to live your best life, right? Whoever said live your smallest life? Anybody? Right? Even the expressions are go, go big or what? Does anybody ever get motivated by go small? Just go small, man. Just go, just go small. I mean, no disappointment there. Lower the expectations, the lower the disappointment. Right? No one wants to, to do that. We all want to have this bigger life, this bigger stuff. We all have ideas of a bigger future. Right? So what happens? What happens when you don't reach that? And then what happens spiritually when you are fed that as well? That you and I are called to live this big life. So then the striving and the hustle is relentless. Based on your personality, you just go and you go and you go and you go and you go. You don't know, you don't know where you're even going and who you're becoming. All you know is, I don't want to live out my past. I don't want to live from where I came. I don't want to do what my parents did or I don't want to do what I used to do. I, wanna, I just want to go big. I want to go further. I want to do that. 
I want to do that. But what happens when you are hit with disappointment? What happens when you're told and promised, like, if you work really hard, if you study really hard, if you have the right friends, if you make, if you hustle, if you pray more, if you fast, if you do all the things, then everything is going to work out for you because God obviously said that he works out everything for our good. Have you ever noticed, have you, have you ever noticed that that sometimes doesn't work out? And so what happens? We just go, well, then it's not let me throw everything away. We're like, oh, God's word is not true. God's not true. Life stinks. You know, it just, it, you just, you, you think that's the solution. The solution to being, to, to distri- with, with, with wrestling with going big or not is like, oh, we'll just go little, right? We'll just go little. But that's not the solution, is it? It's, it's not because everything inside of us wants to be part of something big. And so what I'm going to propose to you, I'm going to give you like the the talk. And if you're like, okay, I need to sign out. I need to leave here. I'm done. Okay. Uh, I'll give you this. See, I think in scripture, God points to, the teachings of Jesus point to us not trying to live a big life. Not, Not trying to like write the big story of our lives. It's not about that. It's not about us trying to find our um, find, our, uh, find a big story for our life. It's not. It's actually finding ourselves in a big story. It's finding your life in a big story. You're finding your part in a big story. You see, the, the scriptures point to us when we become a certain kind of people, and Jesus says when we become the church, you and I find ourselves in the biggest story. And so I wonder, I wonder if that is the solution. I wonder if we, something that we've experienced and something that we already know sort of could be really true. As in, when people find their lives in a bigger story, they find success and significance uh, like they've never felt before and never experienced before. When they find their lives, when, they, ri- when they, they live their lives and they give their lives to a bigger cause than themselves, a bigger story out there, instead of striving to write the big story, to be the big story, actually finding their lives in one, is that the solution? And I think it truly is. It truly is. And Jesus points to that again and again. And there's so many benefits to some of this. So let's just jump into the scriptures and find out. Because I think for some of us, this morning, you're going to go, you know what? I, I, I've been set free. I've been set free from the tension of continually scrolling through posts and going, why isn't my life as good as this? Why can't I do something bigger and better in life? And for some of us, we are crippled and even trying the next thing that we need to do because we don't think it's going to be big enough. So we don't do anything in our lives. So let's jump in. If you've got a Bible, grab that. If not, we've got to put some scriptures uh, for you. So here's the first passage. And these, the, I want to give you two passages, and they're, they're connected because some people sometimes just think that it's one story. So it's two stories of Jesus feeding people. Two stories. The first one is Ma- Matthew 14. So Matthew 14, basically what happens is he's been preaching to people. He's been like uh, healing people. He's been doing all kinds of things. And this is where we pick it up. We pick it up and it says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send 
what? Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some what? Food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You, you give them something to what? Eat. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves and bread of, of bread and two fish, they replied. That's it. That's all. And then what happens? He says, bring, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied with fish tacos. And, <laughs> oh, sorry, I put that in there. I put that in there. Okay. And the disciples picked up what? How many? 12, 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The other story talks about seven, but this one is 12. This one is 12. So this story is what? This is him doing what he, we just read. But there's a lot of other things going on here. The other thing is going on, the main thing is, is that he is doing this in a particular town, a particular place around the Sea of Galilee and, and, check this out, and these people, these people are like, they are Jewish people. So I just want you to know, they're mostly Jewish people. And that's why I think the 12 baskets in this story matters. So now we fast forward to another one. Okay, let's go to the other one. The next one is found in Matthew 15. That's why some people go, I think it's the same story. Because the first story, he fed 5,000. But in this story, he feeds how many? Anybody guess for extra credit? 4,000, yes. So, so here it is, Matthew 15. Matthew 15, Jesus asked, again, same scenario. Uh, he's been healing people, doing all the things, and the whole conversation comes up and goes, okay, are we going to break for dinner? What are we doing? And Jesus goes, like, I have compassion for them. I'm, you know, I'm in the mood. Let's just do something. Let's not go anywhere. Let's just, let's not go. Let's just eat it. Let's just eat in. You know what I'm saying? Let's not go anywhere, you know? So he goes, okay, let's do this. And Jesus asked, okay, what do we got? What do we got? And he said, how much bread do you have? And they replied, what? Seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves and fish, thanked God for them, and broke it, broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up, what? Seven large baskets of leftover food. So, that's why it's so easy to go, this is the same story. And what's the point of who we're becoming and all, what does it have to do with your life and what you're going through and what I'm going through? Well, what is Jesus doing here? So what he does is, if, if, if on one side, he, 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 does, he feeds these people and they're all Jewish people. What we don't realize, and which I did not read, is that he actually goes across and goes to the other side of town and starts doing the same thing, and he does this to not just Jewish people. These are more Gentile people, people like us, not necessarily Jewish people. And so when you start reading into the story, you find uh, that commentators and scholars kind of go, okay, there's so much symbolism happening here. The 12 tribes, when you were left, uh, the 12 baskets are connected to the 12 tribes of Israel, and obviously those were all Jewish people. That's interesting. Okay, that could be some symbolism here where Jesus is saying, hey, I, I am, 
I am revealing myself to you. I am more than you need, and I am, you know, speaking through you. God has picked the Jewish people to be like the the communicators the uh, of of the of the story of God. So it's symbolism there. Then he goes to the other side, and then there are how many left over? Seven. Which some commentators say, okay, seven is the number of completion. It's the seven days of creation. It covers all of humanity. As if God, Jesus was saying, I'm going to go to this side and I'm also going to make the same statement that I'm making to the Jewish people. But this means that I cover all of humanity. Which is pretty profound. So he's kind of saying something that he's saying that it's not just applies to you, but also applies to you. Not people who think they're already Christians or Jewish or in the crowd or the church. No, also other people who feel and find themselves in a place where I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I'm a, I'm a church person. I'm not quite sure if I believe you. I'm not definitely not Jewish, but I'm in as well. And Jesus is basically saying I'm in there for them and I'm in there for them as well. And so when you read the story, you find that Jesus gets in trouble because he seems to be, he seems to be uh, doing something there that no one wanted uh, teachers and especially like guy like him to do. And that is to unite people together. You see, back in those days, if you were like your own small group, if you were your own people group, then there was, you had strength in that. What you don't want to do is go, oh, we're all in this together. We don't want to do that because people... Humanity thinks that when you actually break off into smaller groups, that's a smaller, tighter group. When all of a sudden people start talking about a one humanity, this idea of like we're all in this, and you know what? I know you're very different. I know you're very different. I know you and I don't speak the same language, and I know you, but there's something that we all like to do, and that is eat. <laughs> so he, you're right. He's like, and I'm just, I'm just we're going to eat. So it seems like the teachings of Jesus is all about us being one. Now, why is that important? Because it, it goes against our very nature of, 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 of wanting to stand out. Because we have been taught this idea and this lie in a sense that, hey, if you stand out, if you, stand, um, if you, you go do your big thing in life, and don't worry about anybody else. You are independent. You can make things happen. You're it. And here, the story, the both stories, kind of say something very different. First of all, did you notice that Jesus used the, the loaves and the fish? In both stories, they had what kind of tacos? Fish tacos. I'm just making this up. It's not, some of you guys are like, that's not theologically. Whatever, calm down. Who doesn't like a fish taco? Right? Whew, yeah. So, but, so have, did, you, did, you, did you ever stop and think, why? The first story, when the guy brought the, the, the lunch, the kid brought the, 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 what he had, why didn't Jesus say, uh, I'm not in the mood for that? You think a disciple might have come to him and say, um, so you remember last time we did the whole water and wine? I mean, you didn't just make more, more water. I'm just saying, I mean, I could be, I mean, I'm, I would love some falafel. So if you could turn this bread into falafel, that'd be great. Let's, I'm thinking chicken charoma. Like that would be, that would be awesome. But Jesus goes, no, we're going to use exactly what you have. As if 
As if in both stories he was saying, when you come to me, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not good enough for me. I'm not saying I, I wish you had more. I wish you had something else to bring to me. As some of us think. I just don't have, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't have what you want, Jesus. All I have is this, no one wants to eat this. None of these people want. I, I look at people in my job, I look at people in my life, they don't, they don't want what I have. Because I don't have much. And Jesus goes, doesn't go, hey, yeah, yeah, you know what, you're right. He goes, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now that what, who you are is enough. It's enough. Yeah, 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 but stop. It's enough. What do you have? Only those? That's good. You're enough. And here's the thing. I'm going to make it now more than enough. I'm, not, I, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do something that you, that, that's going to go against the grain of your soul, which always compares in contrast. It always says, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I'm going to use exactly, exactly what you have. Both stories. And then I'm going to multiply it, both stories, to signify something. I'm going to make 12 baskets left over because that, that symbolically says more than enough for all the tribes of Israel. So all you Jewish people know what I'm doing right now. And then he makes seven baskets left over for all of humanity. Basically, Jesus is saying, you are enough just as you are to me. So for some of you listening, you're like, I don't know, I don't know. That's why we, that's why this goes against our grain. Because for so many of us, we go, we think, I can't step into church. I can't walk into church. I can't be a part of this. I can't even come to Jesus. Why? Because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happened last, I mean, I know what happened last night and I don't want to bring it up. Or I know what I've been, I'm into and I don't have enough. Or you know what, if I walk in, I'm going to burst into flames. <laughs> have you ever heard that before? Where did that come from? Like, I don't even know. It comes from this, this something that's been told to us. You, as you are, are not enough. We, you're not. And so that's why we go, well, God doesn't accept me. As if God is saying, why don't you make yourself acceptable? No, no, no. Here's a real quick. We do that. God doesn't do that. We do that with people. I accept you. But sort of accept you. Why don't you make yourself acceptable? No, God doesn't do that. Very, very important. Because it shapes who we are becoming. And then, then they shared what? They shared one meal. One meal. They all shared. And what I mean they shared, that means that, and here's the, here's the, here's the uh, qualifier. They shared one meal as in, most people touched other people's food. Did you notice that? You're like, no. What, what were you thinking? You think Chick-fil-A brought it in, they each with sandwiches? You think that was happening? No. You think all of a sudden, like, they had, like, these ba baggies? No. No. What? Okay, here, here, here. I mean, I'm so glad they didn't have COVID right now, because, whoo, talk about a super spreader right there. But everybody's touching everybody's other's food. Just so you know, as if something, God is, uh, God's saying something. As if he's saying, I, I know you want to live separate lives, but you are all one. 
You're all one, and you're all going to share the same stuff. See, we think, in the Western world, we think, oh, when you share a meal together, you bond. We rarely share meals in the Western world. Think about it. You know what we really do? We eat at the same time. That's really what we do. I was meeting with a couple of pastors recently, a lunch meeting, okay, sharing a meal together, bonding and all that good stuff, super guys. But we walked in, and here's what happened. My name was on there. I had a, ba- I had a sandwich situation, which I didn't even want. Uh, but anyways, uh, but it was, had my name. I had a box, and everybody has their, their own box. They picked what they wanted. We all sat at a table. I opened up mine. I had chips and uh, and. Uh, that I couldn't eat, and a cookie that I really wanted to eat, and a pickle, which I don't know why, and then whatever. And then the other person had their own, and I'm like, what do you have, and what do you have, what do you have? And then we were done. We're like, we shared a meal together. No, we didn't. We ate at the same time. So spiritually, there's something profound about doing things that remind us that we are together and Jesus always ate together and they didn't have Chick-fil-A or Panera bring in their order. It was a meal and he shared and there was a lot of actual sharing because there's something communal about doing something that reminds that we are actually all one. Paul says this so clearly in, in Corinthians 10. He says this, because there is one loaf, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus, he says, we who are many are one body, for we all share, help me out, we all share what? One loaf. And see, here's what we're saying here. What we're saying here is that when you and I look at your spirituality, when we look at our spirituality, it's really our spirituality. What, what, do, you, what do you mean, name? What do you mean? What I mean is that it's so often, The message of Jesus is about your independent spiritual growth. So now what we've been taught is that you and I are basically independent or called to be independent spiritual people. Independent spiritual people are called Christians. Collectively spiritual people are called the church. Independent spiritual people are going, I've got my stuff. I'll have my little uh, lunchbox of Jesus and the perfect worship song and the perfect whatever, 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 whatever. And I will eat of that and I'm good. Me and Jesus, we tight. We good. I got my stuff. I don't need anyone. All I need is Jesus. Not true. By the way, you're like, no, no, no. All we need is God. Not true. Even God said that in the Garden of Eden. He's like, hey, you can't be alone. He's like, no, I'm good. No, no, it's not good. Yeah, but I, you got, uh, you, I have you, God. It's like, yeah, but you need people. You're getting weird. You need people. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the deal. People, when they don't have other people, get weird. Write that down. It's just true. You know if someone's been alone for a while, you're like, oh, ye. what happened? What happens? Whoo! Right? You know this. What do you think happens when we are spiritually alone? You get weird. You get super weird. No one wants to say it because you might do something weird. But you get weird. 
you know spiritually weird people. They're like, whoa, I don't know. What's going on there? They believe all kinds of nonsense. Why? Because when you have people, when you share one meal, you're in each other's lives. Why is this so important? It's so important because, friends, when we read the scriptures and we think that the scriptures were written to just you and just me, we misread the scriptures. The scriptures, besides maybe parts of uh, the Song of uh, Solomon and parts of like uh, the Book of Wisdom, like Proverbs, most of the letters were written to what? People. Not one person. Which means the majority, I would guess, that I would bet, I would bet that you... There are scriptures that you hold on to for dear life. You believe there that God has said this to you and made this promise to you. And it was never to you. And you might like, whoa, 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 what? No, 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 no. I'm not saying you can't like hold on to it. I'm just saying it just wasn't addressed to you. Does that, does that make sense? It wasn't addressed to you. Like the Bible is basically like most of the letters in the New Testament we have it's like going to someone else's mailbox and we picked it up and we're like, hey, what is this? That's pretty much what we've done. Pretty much. Because it's addressed to other people. Hey, Ephesians. You're like, I'm Ephesians. No, you're not, Mr. Ephesians. You're not. So what does that mean? What the scriptures are saying, though, is that God has, because he knows this, he's given us this powerful word, to not to apply individually, but to us collectively. Then the promises work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, when the, the passage where it says, hey, God makes everything work out for the for good of those who love him. Maybe not in this world. You forgot that part. God makes everything work out for all of us, which means my life might stink. But it's for the kingdom. It's for all of it. Jesus lived a life that says, hey, I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink this cup. Not because I don't like it, because I don't want to do this, because, because my life on account of you is going to really be horrible here. Jesus' life, especially his death, was horrific. So God made everything work out for his good. No, he didn't. And he's like, no, you're going to suffer, but the kingdom is going to thrive. Jesus knew that his life was going to be significant, that his satisfaction in life was going to be significant, not if he tried to write the biggest story of his life. No, he found his life in the biggest story. And for some of you, that is what you need. As a church, we need to understand that. It is not about this one church. It's about the movement that we are part of. That's why our mission and vision is we want to be reclaiming the message and the movement of Jesus. And our vision is to be this diverse group of people that lives by faith, that's known by love, and that's a voice of hope. Why? Because, man, your identity in faith matters. Your belonging with love matters. Your, your purpose in life with the voice of, that you have matters. But we all do it together. It does not do anything for the kingdom if my church and local church or just the churches in Charlotte thrive and the kingdom all over the world suffers. What are we doing then? 
We're writing our own story, and we want to write our big story so that some people can talk about us. Or do we live our lives finding a bigger story? And for some of you, I think this is so critical. It's so critical because you can move out of or step back from anxiety because you have been driving yourself crazy saying, I wish I was further along. I just wish my life would be better and bigger. I don't want to say it. I just wish it was. I wish it was. I wish it was. I wish I was getting more traction in my work. I wish people were paying more respect. I wish my, I wish my kids were further along. I wish, I wish a lot of things. I wish my life was bigger. I wish I could write an amazing story, which because I've been told I'm amazing and I'm going to do amazing things. And so when those things don't happen, we're severely disappointed and then we find ourselves be becoming what kind of person? A bitter, bitter people. And what happens spiritually? When you're told, when you're told God's going to do this and God's going to do that and God's going to do this and God's going to do that. Why? Because guess, guess what? Your best is yet to come. And I, I'm, I'm all about being positive. I, believe me, I love that. People think I'm ridiculous. My, Ashley, she's like, you always see the, the good. I'm like, you know what? I gotta, man, I gotta. But I'll tell you what, the best for some people is not in this world. And I have to know that. And I gotta get that through me. Or I'm gonna live my life severely disappointed. And I've met some people because of the pandemic. They prayed prayers. They believed scripture. They took God's word and like they applied it and applied it and applied it. And man, man, it didn't work out and the person died and things just went wrong and the relationship is no longer and there's still so much hurt and bitterness and there's no justice and things did not work out right. And what people have done is they go, see, see, that's why the scriptures are not true. That's why God doesn't exist. Or more than that, God doesn't even care. But if we were to go, hold, hold up, hold up. I think we're supposed to find, play our part in a bigger story. I think my suffering uh, sets other people free. I think, I think I'm a part of something bigger. I, I, but if you've been told you're the hero of your own story, your whole life, then why, would, why isn't it working out for me? But what if it was not supposed to? And see, some people have also realized this who don't belong in the spiritual kind of climate, right, uh, of the Christianity or even in any religion. They have found a cause or a movement bigger and then they give their whole lives to it. And once they do that, they're so fulfilled. You see, we are wired up not to write a big story, but to be part of a big story, bigger than us. I recently uh, drove to South Carolina uh, for the holidays, and uh, I love South Carolina. I, uh, my first few, um, I mean, not few, my first experience with the U.S. pretty much was in South Carolina. I went to school in South Carolina Went to the College of Charleston. You know, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's fun. Uh, and I got most of my family, if not all of them, living in South Carolina. But every time I drive to South Carolina, I am reminded that I'm going into South Carolina. 
And I, I don't know what it, I don't know. It's when I, it's when I left. I didn't even realize when I was in South Carolina, but when I left and come back, I'm like, ooh, what's going on? And here's why I know that I'm getting closer to South Carolina, okay? Okay. Uh, billboards. Billboards, okay? <laughs> They've got the most creative, cheesy ones out there. Oh my gosh, they're so creative, okay? But when it comes to spirituality, there's also some particular ones. You know, turn or burn is my favorite. <laughs> Big letters. Big letters. Okay? Uh, Jesus forgives is a good one. Huge. I mean, I don't know who the, buys this and pays for this, but it's amazing. You know, another one is, you think it's hot here. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Classic. Yes. Sign me up for Jesus. Yes. Let's do that. Great. And I have realized that the billboards, the spiritual billboards, the Jesus billboards in South Carolina assume two things. Number one, everybody thinks that they're a sinner. Everybody thinks they suck. Number two, everybody wants forgiveness. And I thought about that. I'm like, I wonder if that's true. I don't think it's true. I don't think there are cultures who go, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel bad about me. I like me, and I don't need forgiveness. Now, I just use me, for example. I grew up Muslim in, in Kuwait and as a Pakistani, and um, when I came here, I was not looking for forgiveness, nor did I think I was a sinner, just FYI. So when I came to faith, which was very supernatural, um, the day I met Jesus, when he spoke to me, he spoke to me exactly what I wanted or I needed. And I think, I think a lot of us are like me. I would just say that for a little bit. For just, just Because he said, your life is not your own. And so when I began telling the story to other people, I said, you know, when I found Jesus, I didn't find forgiveness. I found purpose. I always, I just found purpose. And I think, and again, I might be just overstepping here, assuming a whole lot of stuff. It might not be true here. But I just wonder at times, do you struggle a lot with, and you look at humanity, do you think humanity is looking for forgiveness or are they looking for purpose? Are, they, are, they, are the questions that people have been wrestling throughout generations and generations, is it am I forgiven or who am I? And what am I doing here? And where do I belong? That is what plagues the human heart. Purpose. And I think for some of us, if you don't find yourself in the biggest story, you will live a life without purpose. Or you will live a life trying to find purpose. Because you were convinced that you were supposed to write the biggest story with your life. And never, not once, did anyone tell you, no, 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 no. You have to find your life in the biggest story. So what would that change for you? What would it change for you to go, okay, how do, I, how do I apply that in my life? Let me ask you, what is hindering you? A couple of questions to think about. What's hindering you from going, I'm going to surrender trying to write the biggest story of my life. I'm going to surrender that and I'm going to try to find my life in the bigger story. Would you stop power playing at work and go, you know what? The, the, the big picture is actually more important. 
I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going get, to get uncomfortable so we succeed. I'm going to lose a little bit so we succeed. Uh, it's not going to be about me and you. It's, go, it's going to be about we. We're going to do this. What would your spirituality look like for you to go, okay, okay hold on, hold on. So I, it's not me and Jesus together. No, it's us sharing one thing together. I am connected to you. I don't know you, but I'm connected to you. I'm not just responsible for myself, but I'm responsible of how I interact with you. What would church look like, friends? I'll tell you what, it would reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. Because every story, it seems like in the scriptures, point us to that, that we are one. Jesus' final prayer was that they would be one. They would be one. So what would that look like for you this morning? Let's pray together. Let's see what God has for us. God, I thank you so much for this conversation. For some of us, we know exactly what we need to do, our next step. We know that uh, we have been trying so hard to make things work, trying to make things happen. We just want to make things happen. We're trying to push our lives forward in a sense. We want to push our families, we want to push ourselves to the brink in a sense because we want to achieve some things. Others of us, God, we find ourselves going, I'm not quite sure what I want to do in life. I'm not quite sure the kind of person I want to become. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. And the tension is for us to go, man, but I, whatever I do, it has to be big. It has to be big. It has to be big. Because if it's not big, then my life will be small and insignificant. But God, you know and we know that that is a lie. God, it doesn't make even sense for all of us to live these big, big lives. The world wouldn't function like that. God, I pray that we would find immense security, confidence, that you would heal our identity issues, that you would make us courageous enough to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my life in a bigger story. Jesus, when you said, whoever loses his or her life for my sake will find it. God, I know that is true for all of us. God, help us do that practically, spiritually, and as a church. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray that we, as we respond, some of us who are in the room can go to the cross and maybe put down and just surrender their story. Others of us, we can go and uh, light a candle, reminding ourselves that when we light candles for people, when we pray for other people, we actually are a part of their lives. We are all sharing their sorrow. And we're in their lives. And God, for some of us, we, we need to receive communion. Reminding ourselves that it's, it's, it's one loaf, is one blood that we're all part of. Gotta remind us of that. Give us the courage to just surrender it all to you. In your name we pray. Amen.